Happy Thursday, everybody. If your church is growing, I know that one of the things you're sitting around thinking about is how do we reach more people? But you know, when you reach more people, that comes with a whole bunch of other things you need to support that growth. Uh, And one of those things that you're going to have to wrestle with is technology. I'm talking about clear audio, lighting, video streaming, audio visual lighting. These kinds of things are super important to growing churches today. If you're growing, I bet you're going to build something, launch a new campus, remodel, plant a church, launch multi-site campuses, or all of the above, all in the next couple of years. Well, HouseRight.com is the company that you need to be talking with. Listen, I've seen their work. They do incredible audio visual lighting. Uh, They work with churches like yours in the early stages as you're planning your growth strategy building a new building, moving into a new auditorium, that sort of thing. What you need to do is reach out to my friend Matt McKay today uh, and to find out more about how they could help you. Uh, These folks are not only uh, amazing technical directors, they've been on staff at a church like yours or even larger. They work with large churches, small churches. Uh, They've built buildings, they've built teams. They know what it's like to be in the trenches and they want to help you. If you could use audio-visual lighting, and I know you do, you've got to check these guys out. Housewright.com forward slash unseminary. That's housewright.com forward slash unseminary. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited to have you with us today. Uh, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because I think this is one of those things that all of our churches need to lean in on. Uh, And one of the things we've seen consistently uh, with fast-growing churches, churches that are making a difference and reaching new people, what we're talking about today is going to help you. Excited to have Pastor Wayne Stewart with us. Uh, He is from Christ Community Church. Uh, Excited to kind of unpack this and uh, you know, have you uh, kind of introduce us today. Uh, Christ Community is in Iowa, fantastic church. Uh, Wayne, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much, Rich. Great to be on with you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Christ Community? If people were to come this weekend, uh, what would they experience? Give give us kind of a bit of the flavor, a bit of the history, that sort of thing. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Christ Community Church is in Ames, Iowa, central Iowa, uh, but a university town. So uh, Iowa State University, that changes a lot of the dynamic, obviously, from a town that Mm. would be 25 to 30,000 permanent residents and then bump that up with 35 to 40,000, you know, uh, students. It does change the dynamic uh, of the town a little bit. Um, So it's one of those cool opportunities where you get this sort of great, uh, sort of rooted stable, really caring kind of community, you know, in the middle of Iowa with the dynamics of learning and exploration and arts and all those kind of things that come with the university town. So it's a very interesting mix. Uh, Lots of international students. Uh, We have a huge population at our church of uh, folks, especially from uh, Iran and from uh, from uh, as well um, Africa and South America. So our Chinese population is quite quite large as well. So we have opportunity literally to interface with uh, folks who are coming here to get their PhDs in all kinds of different sort of hard sciences and other work, and then literally go back and, and be change makers uh, in their environment. So being able to share the gospel with them is a, a real privilege. It's, a, it's another one of those flavors of aims that you wouldn't imagine, you know, without knowing mm-hmm. about it. 
Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I would say that breaks a stereotype. I, I would say I don't have a stereotype of Ames, but uh, if you were to, you know, kind of flesh that out, that's kind of cool uh, to hear a little bit about that. So, give us a sense of Christ Community. You know, what do, um, you know, the what does the church look like for on a on a weekend? What is that? You know, kind of give us some of the that those ideas, kind of what it's like. Yeah, it's a 50-year-old uh, plus church, uh, started um, as uh, the Evangelical Free Church uh, in town in 1965 mm-hmm. or so, and has grown uh, steadily on the north end of town through the years, uh, has had quite a few different looks in terms of Sunday morning, in terms of worship style and all those kind of things, uh, but settled on sort of a modern contemporary style about 10 to 15 years ago and decided to sort of move that direction. One of the interesting thing that that happened in this is that uh, I came on staff as the worship pastor 10 years ago, uh, moving from Chicago, originally from Seattle. And we decided to keep that direction moving, but there was this group of people who had been in the church for a long time who that wasn't necessarily their sort of worship language and style, but they were being incredibly gracious. And so Mm -hmm. uh, with conversations there, we ended up actually starting a classic service uh, that we have two of those on Sunday mornings now too, uh, in addition to the two modern, very modern services that we run. So we didn't end up thinking that we were going to do that, but it was in response really to sort of the the good direction that the spirit was giving us with those folks. Uh, It wasn't really to solve sort of a problem. It was sort of to say, man, this is really awesome. And then the leadership that came forward from them was fantastic too. So on Sunday mornings, you'll see nine and 1045, a very modern service uh, in our largest venue uh, and a classic service that is, you know, led by uh, a team of vocalists and uh, has a choir and orchestra once a month and those kind of things. Uh, That's, uh, you know, probably about 25% of our overall Sunday population. Oh, that's very cool. Now, I love your title. Uh, we were saying this before we got on the on the call. Pastor of Support Ministries. Uh, I don't run into a lot of pastors of support ministries. Uh, flesh that out. What does that title mean? Kind of w- give us a sense of kind of the scope of of where you're spending your time uh, these days at Christ Community. Yeah, we totally made it up. So it's one of those things that <laughs> you don't hear. Nice. Uh, in a lot of other places either. And part of that is the function of the transition from worship pastor to this new role. Uh, We had a reorganization that happened about three years ago. At the same time, when I came on as worship pastor, I really had a sense that we were looking for, in a reasonable amount of time, a handoff to a next generation worship pastor. So that Mm -hmm. became a big part of what we did, even when I came here 10 years ago. So we were working that relationship and that growth and got to the point about three years ago where a number of those pieces all sort of kind of came together at the same time. And one of those was a reorganization in which we saw a hole uh, because we were reorganizing to a lead pastor, executive pastor model from like um, a leadership team of four. And the coaching relationships, as we looked at them, were impossible. The new executive Mm. pastor literally had like 14 direct reports, you know, and we were were going, that's just not going to work. I mean, he's a great guy and he has a lot of capacity, but that's not going to work. So we saw this area that was comprised of communication, uh, both our sort of director level and staff there and and the key volunteers, our operational staff, uh, both full-time and part-time. And then our tech ministries as well, and some sub part of our administrative ministries that sort of felt like they didn't fit under the other key aspects of our vision sort of pieces. So Mm. we kind of said, okay, is is this the time to make the shift to this great new next generation worship pastor who's doing a fantastic job and just do the handoff? Is this a place that I could step in and be of help? 
And so we called it the pastor of support ministries. Mm, very cool. Well, I love that because that, that um, you know, is a lot of the kind of system side of what we do. You know, I think sometimes um, even that word systems can uh, kind of scare some church leaders. I think a lot of us are are people people. We think a lot about sitting across the table from somebody with a coffee and, and doing ministry that way. Uh, why, from your perspective, why is that side of what we do, the system side, uh, why is that so important for our churches? Yeah, I think it is the piece that we don't often see, like you said, because we are people in idea, people in ministry, right? That's that's what we do. Mm-hmm. That's our sense of calling. That's what we love doing. It's where we see the effectiveness of God working through us. But I think what we found in uh, moving into this position and then the coaching responsibilities was that there were a few different areas where we felt we had made some uh, we had made some good inroads in not being so siloed anymore between all the different ministries, but there were Mm -hmm. some pieces that were just keeping us from moving forward in those areas. And they felt like Mm -hmm. we were kind of stuck. So Mm -hmm. while all those people are really good leaders uh, in those different ministries that you could imagine are just a part of normal, you know, church life of a church, our size or larger, they were doing good work on their own. And we really Mm -hmm. wanted to find a way to break that down a little bit more and say, well, we'd love just a little bit more than that. And so we started thinking about some of the ways that we actually work together all the time. And we call those macro systems, essentially the ways that we all get work done together. Uh, And Mm -hmm. if there's a way to sort of streamline and make consistency about those things and sort of the expectations of how people interact with each other in in those areas, we feel like it could sort of get rid of some of the unnecessary friction that sometimes uh, is in our teamwork. Hmm. Yeah, why don't you kind of pull that apart a little bit more? Give me some examples of what that actually looks like. Yeah, uh, one of the big macro systems that we end up looking at in this process, and again, this was I think a part of the discovery of moving these things forward for us as a church and just suggesting some ways to go about this was the idea of planning. Uh, mm-hmm. We all have our different planning cycles and they tend to look like a sort of seek the Lord, get some direction, uh, put together what we need to put together, get some counsel from some people if we feel like we need it in that area and then sort of move forward with it. So mm-hmm. uh, a lead pastor has a cycle of doing that maybe you know, seven to 10 times a year, right? That's their cycle. And it's usually tied to teaching series. So they're in this cycle of sort of seek the Lord, get some direction, plan something, and then implement it. Okay. But that's not the same cycle as a children's ministry pastor. And that's not the same seek to implement cycle of a youth pastor and not the same cycle as the worship pastor. And so you get all these people doing really great work, but at different rhythms. And then all of a sudden you Mm. sort of find like, hold it, we're kind of colliding in some ways. And not Mm. only are we just colliding in some ways, we're not really realizing what could happen if we were all on the same rhythm together. So we started looking at a planning rhythm that would be broken down into some ways that were sort of more, uh, something that was more repeatable, something that was more knowable. I mean, we talk about macro systems in in the four aspects that we'd like to see them function best in. And that's sort of a knowability, a repeatability that they can be invisible. Once we've got them in place, they just sort of do their work. And then that Mm. they can be scalable. And that's either up or down, right? I mean, you can scale for size, but you can also scale for focus. So it's either direction. Mm. Um, These macro systems have to work in those four aspects in order to be healthy. And then what they create is this sense of, hey, we kind of know what we're doing together. And we know what rhythm we're doing it in together. And we can actually collaborate more on this now. And so it's one of those things, it's funny, you talk to lead pastors a little bit, sometimes the frustration is like, I've got this vision 
I spread this vision and then it feels like it only gets so far. And the reason it only gets so far, I think, with respect to these macro systems is because we're all in different rhythms together. And so if we can align those things, uh, then we, we end up seeing sort of some more momentum from the things that we really want to have the greatest effect. Yeah, why don't we talk through specifically the planning one um, and use that as an example of of kind of ha- the the change that's happened within your church and then some of the impact that's taken place, kind of where you were, where you are, that sort of thing. Let's hear about that. Yeah, generally speaking, and I think this is representative of most you know churches of our size and complexity. What I hear is is that planning is really based on the series that a pastor presents, the lead up time that they give, which sometimes can be really generous and sometimes can be really really short, uh, and or everybody's ability in their individual ministries to sort of be the go getter, right? And again, mm. that's part of why we hire people in these positions because we we sort of set them up to be, you know, uh, parachurch ministry leaders under the umbrella of a church in some ways. Mm. They've got their own staff, they've got their own finances, all those kind of things, right? So Mm. what we did was we said, excuse me, there needs to be some more knowability and repeatability to this. So what if we broke our year into two six-month ministry horizons? And then in those six months, we broke those down just another level and said, okay, we want the first four months of that six months to be all about the ministry leaders doing what they would do regularly. They're seeking mm-hmm. the Lord, they're finding direction, uh, they're getting good people in the room to vet their ideas, and then they're coming up with proposals and plans. But instead of just immediately then them going to the calendar and saying, ha, I got first dibs at this uh, Saturday <laughs> in March because I want to do my event then. Instead, what happens then is there's two months of what we call sequencing. And that's really the collaboration part that I think is the most powerful thing. So everybody gets these four months and honestly, you go, okay, it's a little different than you may have gone about it, but is four months enough? Probably, Mm -hmm. right? You know, Mm -hmm. so let's Mm -hmm. just change how you do this work a little bit. Then you come to sequencing and everybody sort of lays their cards on the table and says, Mm. hey, yeah, I I really think we should be doing this big women's event. Okay, well, then Mm. we look at the date together. We look at the resources needed together, all the capacities that we're all sort of vying for. We lay that down and then we say, okay, how do we as a group of, and really this is going to be done at the ministry leader level, sort of those directors and above, right? They're going to say, Mm -hmm. yeah, that date really, really matters to me. And here's why, and here's what we think the ministry gain is. And then somebody else might come along and say, yeah, I was thinking something else for that weekend too, but now I I can move mine. So there's this Mm. collaboration that happens at a at a level that is just not ad hoc because that happens in our teams too, right? Oftentimes people will go to somebody else and say, Hey, I saw you, you, you're already on the calendar for this. You know, I'd like to do this there, but it's sort of systematizing how we go about that conversation. So everybody has a chance to engage in it. Uh, so it's really that six months. Uh, and then once you've done the sequencing and you've tapped into the sort of communications and operations and staffing side of things that are necessary for that, then you implement for six months. But at the same time, the next four months of that next six month horizon is going to be them seeking the Lord again for the direction that they should go. So it, it gets high, high points on the repeatability and knowability scales, right? Invisibility, right? right? It, it takes work to get there because this is not how we do church. But once you get there, it just becomes a part of your framework and, and how you go about business together. So that's the general six-month, two six-month horizons. You could design it however you wanted. If you wanted to break it down into something smaller than that, you're just going to be having these conversations more often. If, if you wanted to plan for a whole year, you're just going to have a you're going to have to have a lot more detail and foresight about when you come to the sequencing sessions in order to lay that out for everybody. 
That's super helpful. Love how you, you know, dive, dived in there, I think. And, you know, solving real problems for, there's a lot of churches that live in that, like, it's like the first come first serve, you know, right. or the person, you know, that's tallest up the, you know, up the org chart, uh, whatever they say goes, as opposed to like, what's actually best for us? What's actually moving our, you know, the, the church forward? Um, you know, what would be, so that's, I love that. I think that's a great, um, you know, kind of great insight. What are the other uh, macro systems that we should be thinking about uh, at, in our churches these days? The other two that we have been doing a lot of work in, in the last year and a half to two years, uh, have been on the project management side of things. And then on the management of resources side of things. And all of these have interplay with one another, right? Uh, project management is the side of my job description that I, I didn't mention before. And that's another sort of soft spot that we saw that we wanted to Mm -hmm. do something about. Um, because again, our leaders are really good leaders. It's not that they have a deficit in planning and it's not that they have a deficit in running projects. It's just that they do them all slightly differently from one another. So think about that for operations folks, right? They get on the end of having to implement and how to give uh, consult and coaching on these things. When they have a youth pastor who's coming to them with a very different idea of how to get the project started and what it's supposed to end up to be and the timeline that should be associated with that from somebody else on staff, they're having to manage all of those different leadership styles in order to give best counsel. And I think that's a little bit of the angst that we often see between sort of operational staff, communication staff, the people who are sort of on the end of really helping support. I think that's why we ended up calling it support ministries for Mm -hmm. uh, all of the ministry leaders. So if you can create some ways that everybody knows, how do we go about talking about this thing we want to get done? And what's the process that we're all going to walk through? So project management for us has become really, um, we break it down into the idea of some phases and we break Mm -hmm. it down into the idea of some versions of the project and then the circles and circles just have to do with people, right? It's just the the people who are in the room at the time. So our phases uh, essentially for project management get us from sort of a concept to actually talking about it, right? Somebody's got Mm -hmm. a, a sense of seeking the Lord again. And they're like, yeah, I think we should do this. Okay. Well, we need to, we need to lightly systematize that first step. This is not about trying to put something that is draconian in front of people so that the ministry leaders are like, I can't get this work done. All it is is saying that there's a one page summary we call a version one that you should bring before the small group of people who need to look at that with you before you even take another step. And that's all the basics that you would do on your own anyways, right? It is What do we hope to get out of this project? And it's not just the completion of the project. Like we did a a project with our welcome center in the last uh, nine months where the completion, if we thought about it as sort of the completion of the project, it would be, well, the physical pieces that we put together, the print pieces, the communication and the staffing that's going to go with that on Sunday morning. And otherwise, that's not the goal of the project. The goal of the project, what we're aiming towards is a welcome where people feel like they were fully engaged and, and got what they needed both with care and clarity for their next step. That's what we're aiming for. That's why we're doing this welcome center revision. So if we don't, if we come to a team of people and say, we need to build some desks for the welcome center. Great. We can all get that. We can all get that done. Right. Right. But it's not why we're doing it. And that's so important in projects because you have to keep people on the, what we're going to gain here. So that's one part of it. The other is just the who, what, why, when, where, and how much, right? Take a first shot at that in this version one. And then the next piece is just who should be in the room 
to begin with? And what's your thinking of the next levels out of people who should be in the room? That literally can be done in 20 minutes on the front of one side of a page. But the problem is, is if you don't say that's how we're going to do it, then you'll get 32 different versions of that and different iterations of it for the people who are trying to help you implement it. So we start with that version one and then we work through those phases. Yeah. So there's a ton we could talk about, but I'd love to dive in even just, I love this idea of giving people a tool, this kind of proactive, we're going to help you with, um, you know, kind of your early idea. And rather than positioning it as like, our job is to say no, it's like, let's help you think through those early pieces. What does that actually look like? Is that like a form or you've got like a, you know, how how are you enabling, empowering, uh, you know, both the staff and leaders, even I'm assuming maybe even people that are volunteers or key leaders in the church, how are you helping them kind of empowering them to actually take this version one? Yep. We have a template for it. And it's just one side of a Microsoft Word document. And it has just those pieces that I uh, outlined there. And we uh, took a long time. So <laughs> the mm. the meta side of this is that we had a project to determine what our project protocol was. And in doing that, <laughs> and in doing that, very we were, meta, <laughs> we were sneakily teaching people what this might look like. And so we were walking them through this process. And then we defined this template and said, we think this is a fair template. You, you can change small parts of it, but really projects need to start with the version one. And so we have not mandated that at a hundred percent, but we've tried to encourage that, especially with the pieces that we really, really need process and people in. Uh, and, and also tried to say, you know what, it's flexible enough so that if a ministry leader has a project and they just want to be able to think through it in, in sort of a more, um, managed way, um, and a more consistent manner, even for themselves, the version one is where you should go. So just uh, fill out that template and then get the right people in the room for the, for the initial conversation. Yeah. Would you be willing, you can say no, but would you be willing to share that template? I'd love for people even to be able to see that. I think that could be a cool tool, uh, you know, for folks to take a look at. Yep, Absolutely. That'd be perfect. Great. Well, I uh, you've actually written a book that I want to let people know about that's really in this whole area. It's called Flow, The Surprising Role of Systems in the Health of Church Staff and Key Leaders. Uh, you know, I, this, this sounds like a great tool for church leaders. Why did you write this book? Give us a sense of uh, what kind of led you to that point, which that in and of itself is a, is a giant task. And so wh- why'd you do that? Uh, writing for me the last number of years has really been mostly about getting my head and heart straight about why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, and then maybe some of the structures that go with it. And so first of all, it was just sort of writing down my experience of this journey of the last couple of years. Um, I should say that, so I, I made my way, (laughs) I made my way from, uh, into ministry, the non-traditional route and had uh, Mm -hmm. some significant time in social services ministry and some personnel management uh, and also in some production environments. And so it wasn't that these pieces were completely foreign to me. I think that's why the job sort of made sense to a lot of us when we looked at it and said, yeah, maybe I could help Mm -hmm. here some. So some of this is history. And then some of it is just the the application of the moment that we were in as a staff and going, there's some things that we might be able to work with here and get this done. So the writing really was flowing out of a couple of, um, you know, uh, study leaves and some other time where I was saying, I got to get some of these ideas down for me so that I can communicate them in a short enough and clear enough and impactful enough fashion for people that they can grasp the vision of this and see how it could work. And that, that really is, is how flow ended up happening. And, um, so I guess the hope is then, it reinforces me and it also reinforces what we do at our church, but I, I think it might be a helpful tool for some others that 
are sort of thinking, yeah, there's some of this stuff that just feels like we're stuck in some ways and we're looking not in the right areas uh, and we haven't figured out how to loosen some of this up yet. Yeah, why don't you kind of talk us through the book a little bit, how it's structured, um, you know, kind of the content that's in it, and then uh, we can talk about who, uh, you know, who you're really targeting at, who you're hoping will pick it up and uh, actually get a chance to kind of benefit from all this work. The target uh, has changed a little bit. When I first started writing it about a year ago or so, uh, I was looking at sort of, it was felt a little, a little more broad to me. And then I started thinking, no, who I'd really love to read this is lead pastors um, and probably executive pastors who maybe have been trying to talk about some of these issues, um, but maybe haven't had a tool to sort of walk through with their their lead mm. pastors on. And so mm-hmm. it's become very much focused about lead pastors. I get that we're people and idea people. And maybe we're just not looking in the right area for some of these things. So we start off with uh, essentially the story of uh, the Hubble Space Telescope that in May 1990, Mm. uh, it uh, after a lot of money and a lot of work and NASA's sort of best people went up and then everybody knew that something was really, really wrong. Within weeks, it was just sort of these grainy images that came back as opposed to what we were supposed to be. The reversed mirror. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, the technical term was spherical aberration on this and it ended up being (laughs) that the actual flaw was about 2.2 micrometers or 87 micro inches, which is less than a one fiftieth of a hair's inch across this huge lens that was on Hubble. Uh, when they figured that out, they figured out that it wasn't even the manufacturing side of it that was the problem. It was a piece of gear that they were using to calibrate how they were supposed to build this lens. So they spent a lot of time and money because it had to be sort of a fix in space. They couldn't bring it back down. And so they found what they needed to fix and then they were committed to going after it. But they didn't see it at first. It took them quite a while to find the flaw because it was so small. That for me is just sort of when I read this a little while ago, I was like, I think that's what we're talking about here. We're just not Mm. seeing in some of these areas, maybe the way that we can move forward in some of it, because we're just not used to seeing it. But if we're committed to it, I think we can make some great gains there. So we start off with that. And then we start talking about ideas, uh, like those four aspects of macro systems, a little bit of scriptural um, sort of context for some of these things, both in the two places in scripture that we find a real win uh, when something that we could call macro systems were implemented. Uh, The first one would be when Moses was having a lot of problem with the justice system because it wasn't uh, distributed in the right manner. And so there was a win for a system that was set up and people were able to get justice because of that. Uh, Their cause was heard because of that. The second is is when uh, the widows uh, in Acts were sort of not getting the kind of service that the church really wanted to give them as well. They set Mm -hmm. up some macro systems and all of a sudden people who had already experienced great pain in life were really hearing that in very practical ways, God was really present and caring for them. So there's some examples there. There's also the Ephesians 4 passage that sort of gives us some guidance about sort of the the heart posture in going forward into Mm -hmm. these things, because this is change management and it's change management on the level that you include everyone. (laughs) And so that's Mm -hmm. dicey, no matter what you, you think about, you know, these systems. So I think Ephesians four gives us a good backdrop for sort of making every effort. Unity is the goal. uh, You know, the humility and gentleness that we're called to in the spirit, those kind of things. From there, we actually go into the three macro systems, the project management, uh, the planning rhythms and the resources management. And those are divided up into um, an example. So you sort of hear from somebody who's on st- staff who is uh, in a scenario experiencing 
uh, this system being broken or just not being in place. Uh, and then it goes into sort of the principles around implementing that system and a little bit of our history uh, as a church and what we did with it. And then there's an entire chapter devoted just to the nuts and bolts of how to design it. So it's a suggested uh, process to go through and how to design these three systems. Uh, it's a fairly short book. It is in, in print. It's less than 100 pages which is a pain because you can't get spine print uh, with Amazon unless there's more than a hundred pages. <laughs> so it looks a little funny sitting on the shelf, but I guess in being trying to be brief, but get people heading in the right direction. My hope was that lead pastors might actually read this and say, right. this is worth a couple hours of my time. And one of these things might be something that we could take on um, very limited, but hopefully, you know, have some success and experience moving in the right direction with folks. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I think this would be a great resource as I, you know, kind of took a little look at it a little bit here today. I think this would be a great resource, like you're saying, particularly for maybe executive pastor, lead pastor teams together, even to say, yeah. hey, let's let's work through this. Let's talk through this. It gives a good starting point, I think, a good um, kind of some common language and uh, and and a good vision around why systems are so important. And then and then ultimately you move to a practical kind of next step, which I think is super uh, you know, helpful for folks that are are listening in today. I'd, I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of this. Actually, where can people get a copy of this book if they're interested? Uh, where should we be sending them? Yeah, Amazon is a place to go uh, for this. And you, there's a print version and a Kindle version right now. And it's also available uh, free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. So you could just download the Kindle version and get started on it as well. Fantastic. I'd encourage uh, leaders that are listening in today to uh, to pick it up. Wayne, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, if if uh, people want to kind of track with you, track with the church, uh, how should they be in touch with you? How could they get in touch uh, to kind of keep following along with your story? Yeah, two direct ways is just to go to churchflow.org, which is uh, some more resources, uh, some very short articles, uh, and then uh, the link to Flow if you want to buy it. Uh, and that'll be built out a little bit more in the coming months because it's fairly new, but it's up and running. You can also contact me directly there uh, and or through uh, wayne.stewart at waynecstewart.com. Perfect. Wayne, appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>